welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is October the 16th, 2019, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, recently I had the opportunity to sit down with a dear friend and a pastor, Brad Evangelista, and Brad is the pastor, the lead pastor of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. But Cross Point and uh, Brad are also dear partners and dear friends of Lifeline and Unadopted as they have traveled many times with us to Uganda. They are a strategic partner in helping with the Busega School for the Deaf and the Blind, as well as a sister church of King Jesus Church. So I know that you will enjoy this interview with Pastor Brad Evangelista. But before we do, we're excited to tell you about our newest podcast, The Defender Bible Study. You see, God's Word plays a foundational and vital role in our ministry, and we have loved inviting you into our study of Scripture each week. And so if you haven't subscribed yet, we want to invite you to join us for this new podcast, The Defender Bible Study. So wherever you get your podcast, make sure you search for The Defender Bible Study and subscribe and listen every Monday as we invite you into our time as we study God's Word, as we study the themes that God has given us, and as we pray for the nations. So be sure to come with us every Monday morning as we focus on the study of Scripture and pray for the most vulnerable around the world. And if you join now, you can actually get in into our study on the master plan of evangelism by Dr. Robert Coleman. And so pick up a copy of the book, subscribe to the podcast, and join us at the Defender Bible Study Podcast. Well, I am privileged to be joined by Brad Evangelista. And Brad is a, a dear brother, and Brad is also the lead pastor of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, he and his wife Jennifer uh, are the parents of, of three, ch- four children. Sorry, four children, three sons and one daughter. Uh, and uh, two of their sons have graduated high school and are out of the home. And then they have uh, a daughter and a younger son as well. And uh, just have had such a great opportunity getting to travel uh, with my brother to Uganda. Uh, Brad and Crosspoint are so engaged with the work that Unadopted is doing in the community of Busega and especially love the relationship that has developed between Brad and Pastor Raphael Kajubi uh, in Busega and just the brotherhood and the kinship and and to see these two uh, as iron sharpens iron, sharpen one another uh, for the good of the kingdom, for the good of the good glory of the gospel. And so uh, Brad, before he was a pastor, uh, is actually from the great state of California and served in the military for many years, which actually is what took him to Fort Benning there in uh, Columbus, Georgia. So Brad, you know, I've told a little bit of that, but just snippets. Tell us a little bit more about your story, how you came to Christ and how you ended up in Columbus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, it's a privilege to be on the podcast again. And I love you and I'm so grateful for your friendship and so thankful for our partnership with Lifeline. But yeah, I grew up right on the Mexican border in California, a little border town called El Centro, which is about an hour and a half inland of San Diego, right on the border, and was born and raised there. And then I did not grow up a believer. We we were nominal Christians. We thought that we were believers, went to a mainline church where the gospel was never preached. Uh, In my high school years, I have one older brother. He went away to college and came to faith at a fellowship of Christian athletes chapter at his university in Arizona. 
And over the years, in my high school years, when he would come home, he shared the gospel with me. And eventually the Lord opened my heart to the gospel uh, in my senior year of high school. And just a few months before I graduated from high school, and then right after I think I came to faith and heard the gospel through my brother, I went away to, uh, to New York for college to the United States Military Academy at West Point. And my first day there at West Point, I was being uh, chewed out and hazed by an upper-class cadet who was just doing his job, breaking me in and doing, doing a really good job at it, actually. And this was a, a believing cadet, a Christian cadet that had invited me after he chewed me out. He invited me to a local church plant right outside the get- gates of the academy in a little city there called Highland Falls, New York. And I became part of this church plant and was really discipled there by this young pastor and grew in the Lord there. And so then, uh, really, I think while I was at, at West Point uh, training to be an army officer, I think I, I was called into ministry and, and saw my future in some sort of preaching, teaching, vocational ministry, whatever shape that would take. And so I came down here to Fort Benning and knew that I had to serve in the army for a little while and met my wife, who is from Columbus, Georgia, which is right next to Fort Benning. So we married and then went in the army. Uh, we're in the army for about five years and then got out of the army and and came back to Columbus, where then I got into pastoral ministry. And eventually we planted Cross Point Church about 14 years ago, 2005. We started cross point and uh, have been in pastoral ministry really ever since I got out of the army. Um, and, and here living in Columbus now with my wife and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a transplanted Southerner. I even love SEC football, even occasionally root for Alabama, Herbie, believe it or not. Roll Todd. I mean, see, we, we have inundated you well. <laughs> That's right. That USC California boy. That's right. I'm a USC fan. Uh, we lost our quarterback in the first game, but, but uh, we'll be all right. Yeah. So you uh, shepherd the church at Cross Point, And, you know, one of the things under your leadership at Cross Point is you have seen just a tapestry of foster care and adoption, uh, but even intentionally reaching out to the orphan around the world. And, and even like we have said, specifically with, you know, our brother and a dear friend of ours, Pastor Raphael Kajubi. Uh, you know, recently you were able to go to Uganda and, and specifically to spend some time with the pastor and, and, and other pastors that he has really been pouring into in that community. Tell us about your trip uh, to Uganda recently with Unadopted. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was my fifth summer spending a week in Uganda with Pastor Raphael and the church there and other pastors. A couple of years ago, I went with you and, and a, a, another pastor and just had a wonderful time. I'm pouring into those brothers this year uh, was the fifth year. And, and, and what we've done the past few years is, is Pastor Raphael just has this wonderful kind of informal leadership role amongst the pastors in his community, Busega, which is a kind of suburb of the capital city of Kampala. And the Lord's just given him favor and influence over these other brother pastors. And they gather for fellowship weekly there at uh, the site of King Jesus Church that Pastor Raphael planted and pastors. And so for the past few years, I've been going and doing a, a pastor's conference for a couple of days, just gathering about 50 to 60 pastors locally in the area, sharing with them about pastoral leadership and, and what the church should look like. What was unique this year is that instead of looking at a topic, 
of some some ecclesiology or some aspect about church or church leadership, we we went through. We did kind of a boot camp on the Book of Romans. Uh, I have spent the past two years preaching through Romans expositionally here at Cross Point, and had just finished up right before. I was scheduled to go to Uganda. And so I said, Raphael, how about we just dive in to Romans and let me try and condense two years into about two <laughs> days. <laughs> and let's let's uh, drink from a fire hose here and do a summary of the, the message of Romans and how central it is for understanding the gospel and in the life of the local church and in the life of a Christian. And so we did that and it was just a wonderful time. Of course, we were flying by uh, lots of important things, but I think that the the pastors there really enjoyed it because we were centered. We were looking at the story of the gospel as Paul lays it out in Romans. And it was just, it really, each year it just gets deeper and more rich and more encouraging that we trust each other more. I think we understand each other more. And so this, I think was my favorite year of going through just this beautifully rich book of Romans. And in fact, in the last session, we really ran out of time and I had kind of only gotten to Romans 12 and I said, well, you know, brothers, I think we're going to have to conclude, you know, I think I've worn you out. And they said, no, finish. Like, come on, what, what, let's summarize chapters 13 through 16. And so we, we added on another hour or two, just so many good questions, so much fruitful conversation. Uh, and, and of course, wonderful time with Raphael, who's just doing a wonderful time, job, not only leading his church and the school that he started for deaf children, but also in many ways, in an informal way, shepherding these other shepherds and, uh, and just impacting the community of Busega for the gospel in rich and eternal ways. It was a wonderful time. You know, one of the things that I know you and I have talked about in depth is that so many times as the American church, as believers in America, we, we go to serve, but, but really we find that we're being ministered to in greater ways than we ever could. What are some ways that, that both our brother pastor has, you know, ministered to you either, even through this last trip, as well as these other pastors that you have had such an opportunity to pour into over these last several years? Yeah. Well, specifically just seeing Raphael as just a wonderful example of faithful shepherding. He is a strong and gentle soul. He has a kind of uh, uh, gentle authority to him, which is so evident as you see him deal with his people. I, I think I have been chastened and really learned from him as a shepherd to see how he cares for the people, to see how he listens to them, to see how accessible he is to his whole congregation and then to all of these other pastors who certainly come to him for wisdom. And then to see him shepherd his church through uh, tragedy and difficulty. Just in this past year, a young a boy at the deaf school was tragically killed um, and beaten to death. And it was just a sad, sad time. It was a case of mistaken identity and some, some, some rough men in the neighborhood uh, because of a case of mistaken identity. Uh, killed this young man that was such an integral part of the church and the school. And then uh, you and I, Herbie, were just talking about this. A young man, one of just the bright young men in the church, 
uh, passed away very quickly from an illness, uh, I think tuberculosis and maybe some, some malaria as well. And this young man was one of the, again, one of the leaders of the church. And, and Raphael just sent me a message just yesterday about how God was so gracious to the church in the funeral of this young man who came from a Muslim family. And they were able to witness to this Muslim family. This young man came to faith in Christ through the ministry of King Jesus. And they have this good relationship still with his family. And even as they were negotiating with the family to do the funeral at their church, uh, it was a wonderful witness to his Muslim family and then to the community. And Raphael told me it was just an hours on end celebration of the goodness of the gospel in the life of this young man and the church. And so I, as I look and listen to the way that he shepherds his people through sadness and difficulty and trial, it's such an encouragement uh, of a faithful shepherd who loves his people well and is leading them on to pursue Christ in, in difficult times. Yeah, and I know we both have just been especially poured into by Pastor Raphael and you know, just a man of, of prayer, uh, a man of of deep abiding love and affection for his family, for the flock that uh, the Lord has entrusted him with. And just a, a man, even as you've said, just so sensitive to the spirit and the prompting of the Lord. Uh, and, and, you know, in my own life, he has kept me accountable. He's encouraged me. Um, and uh, and just a, it's just a it's a beautiful bond to know, I mean, even, you know, we're not too far away, but you and I have this bond by working together as brothers, and we have this bond to this brother in Uganda uh, because of this work that he's called us to. Uh, as, a, as a pastor, you know, you have, have done such a great job leading Crosspoint to think outside of the four walls, to, to think outside of the church, both locally in Columbus and throughout the, the state of Georgia and the United States, but also uh, internationally. Um, talk about ways that you do lead your church into thinking missionally. Well, uh, thank you for thinking that about us. I think I, that humbles me and chastens me. I, I don't know that I it's been anything that we've done. And I, and I don't mean to sound simplistic in this, but I think that the key to, to enlarging just the scope of the, the heart of your people is just preaching the gospel clearly and consistently. And, you know, it's easy to say, we'll just preach the gospel, but, but you, but there's a wrong way to preach the gospel and a right way, many wrong ways to preach it. And there's really one biblical right way to preach it. And, when we understand that the gospel is about the glory of God amongst all the peoples and that the gospel is the good news that God is holy, that we are sinful, that Christ has lived a perfect life and laid down that perfect life, God in the flesh to absorb and satisfy and remove the wrath of God. And all those that would repent and trust in him can be reconciled to God forever if we understand that is the good news of the gospel, but that it is not, it doesn't terminate on us as individuals. It's all of that is, is for the glory of God. Mm. So many times in the old Testament, you see God speaking to Israel about his sovereign grace in, in choosing Israel as the people 
that he would rescue and redeem and make his own. And he says over and over again, for my name's sake, I am going to do this. I will act. I will do this. I have done this for my name's sake. And when we, when we see the glory of God in the salvation of sinners, I, I think it, it lifts up our eyes from beyond just a kind of personal salvation that terminates on me. And, and much of, of preaching in American context, I think, is a kind of pragmatic, man-centered gospel that, that sees God. It may preach salvation from sin and, and Jesus' perfect life and sacrificial death, but, it, but it, it's the type of preaching that centers on mankind and just a kind of gospel of pragmatism that just will help you le- live a better life. And that's a, that's a stunted gospel. It's a neutered gospel. Mm. But the biblical gospel is seeing our individual salvation as about the glory of God. And then my life that is now consumed with this gospel to now give my life away, to connect myself to this great grand story of what God is doing in my life and my, in my city and my, and my, amongst the nations to, to see how I fit in to give my life away for the, for the, for the fame of God. And I, I think like when, when Peter says in first Peter two, that, that we are a, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellences, excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's written to all Christians, mm-hmm. not just missionaries, not just pastors and preachers and Bible school teacher, you know, leaders, Bible study leaders. And that's written to all Christians. And so we all have this missional call in our lives. And I think we, we just want to try and make application of what does that look like in your life as a local believer? Um, and so the Lord has, the Lord has helped us to, to, uh, to think along those lines. And, and kind of in the same vein, like as you think about leading and shepherding the church towards caring for the most vulnerable around us, the orphan, the child in foster care, I mean, I know your answer will be similar, you know, that the Lord has blessed, you know, Crosspoint with members who have been passionate about orphan care. They've been passionate about adoption. I mean, we could sit here together and name so many out of your congregation that he has called to either be a foster parent or to adopt domestically or internationally. But but as a pastor, how have you steered your church in thinking about the vulnerable and caring and showing justice to the vulnerable but not losing the supremacy of the gospel. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the way you asked that question because uh, in not losing the supremacy of the gospel is such an important ending of that sentence that you just, that you just phrased. One of the buzzwords, at least in kind of the stream of the church that you and I are in right now, uh, Herbie is just this idea and kind of almost internal debate about social justice and, and what does that look like? And, and in a sense, it seems like people who are theologically aligned in this little internal debate are kind of talking past one another. The more kind of a conservative wing is is afraid that we're that that some people think that caring for your neighbor and doing justice is is the gospel, and 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 they don't want to lose the gospel. And I think they're right in their concern that caring for the vulnerable is not the gospel. But it's also we also truncate the gospel when we say that the gospel is merely about the proclamation of the good news and the salvation of sinners. Yes, it's that, but when rightly understood, 
it will lead consequentially to the renewed heart giving their lives away for others. Mm-hmm. And so while love for our neighbor is not the gospel, social justice is not the gospel, caring for orphans is not the gospel, it is clearly a fruit of the gospel regenerated and believing heart. So I, I don't want to pit those things against one another. It's, it's a natural part of the obedience of God's people. So, so practically, you know, what does this look like in our, in our church? Um, I think, you know, like you said, it's, it's happened in many ways organically. There's just a kind of culture in our church of families by God's providence that God brought to us that have adopted or, or were in the process of adopting. And it's just become a kind of contagious <laughs> consequence of gospel centrality. You know, there's just people that are thinking, okay, I'm thinking about the Lordship of Christ in all of life. Uh, I'm thinking about the glory of God. I want to think deeply about good doctrine. I think about the doctrine of adoption, you know, Romans eight, that he has adopted us. And then we see how, Physical adoption of orphans is a wonderful earthly picture of spiritual adoption in our salvation. And so it's just been a kind of, of, of like a fire, not that spread quickly amongst the whole congregation, but it's just been a slow burn where it just moves through the congregation. And we've done some intentional things that I think we've, we want to keep it in front of the congregation. We want to celebrate. Uh, couples that are adopting or fostering. We want to pray about it publicly in our, in our Sunday morning services. Uh, We want to get word out about local parachurch organizations that are doing adoption and foster care work like Lifeline and others locally. There's a wonderful organization here called Clement Arts that comes alongside adoptive families. And we have a care team that, that comes alongside families in the church that are adopting we explain uh, the resources in our church very clearly in our membership class for new members. We explain to them the resources that we have, even financially for families that are considering adoption or fostering. Uh, you know, when we think about things like Orphan Sunday, where we will, you know, have, we'll, we'll preach specifically about caring for the orphan. In fact, you came to Cross Point last year and preached here on Orphan Sunday. So there's some practical things we do, and those are important and helpful. But a lot of it is just we want to apply the gospel to all of life. And this is one area that God has given our congregation a kind of burden for that seems to have just sort of grown organically. And it's been a wonderful joy uh, to see. You know, one of the things as we talk about even caring for the vulnerable, I mean, you know, obviously at Lifeline, we talk a ton about the orphan, the vulnerable child, the foster child. But but I think specifically knowing where you're from, where you grew up on a border town with Mexico, uh, just, just from a pastoral perspective, you know, not getting political or choosing sides on immigration, but how can we as the church care for refugees and those who are, are earnestly trying to get into our country to maybe seek for a better life or political asylum or really just to support their family biblically and and honestly, how can we live authentic lives for refugees? Yeah, that's a, well, I could talk for a long time about that because, you know, I grew up, my hometown was, was right on the border. Uh, in fact, we lived in a house when I was very young where I could actually see Mexico. Hmm. Um, my sister-in-law, uh, I've known her all my life, and she was an illegal immigrant. We went to high school together. 
grew up together while she was illegal and living in, in my hometown. Um, yeah, I, there's so much we could say. I would just say that I think, the, I think Christians need to understand. I think we need to have a firm grasp of Romans 13 and that God has raised up imperfect governments to uh, give civil order. And, and that's the realm of the government. And there will be Christians that will uh, be involved in that, need to think deeply about that and run for political office and be part of the police force and the military and all of that. And I understand the need for security and immigration law, and we need to be a nation of laws. I, I get all of that, and I am all for that. And that is something that some Christians will be involved in, and that I think to some degree all Christians should pay attention to. But that the sword, the power of the sword, the power of, of that civil law rests with the state, according to Romans 13. Now as the people of God, as, we, as the people of the kingdom of God living in this fallen kingdom, we have another greater responsibility, a kind of dual citizenship. Yes, we're citizens of America, and we need to think about the laws of our nation, but we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom as the people of God in the church. And we have another law, a, a biblical law to care for the sojourner to care for the foreigner, to care for the least of these. And so as a, as a citizen of the kingdom, if I have the opportunity to care for somebody, regardless of the circumstances of how they got in front of me, here's a soul that in God's providence is in my city, in, in my locale. And that is not a mistake. It, you know, Acts 17, I think about how God has arranged us all according to his sovereign appointment. And he's caused us to be there. And he's caused us to be a church with that group of, of people, maybe in this neighborhood or this group of immigrants. And while the state will have to uphold the law as the church, it is our responsibility and privilege to minister to the gospel, the gospel to these people, to care for them and to love them. And for whatever reason, regardless of what it may be that they are here, we are to bring the gospel to them and care for them. Now, there's lots of things that we could talk about, about what, what's the responsibility of a Christian or a church in regards to somebody that may be breaking the law. But churches are going to have to sort that out in, in many different ways. But when you're sitting across from a person that needs care, that needs the gospel, that needs, that needs love, uh, we need to give that to everyone. And I, I think that's the responsibility of the local church. Amen. And so well said and, and just so rich in that it, apart from where we may stand politically, we are under one kingdom and that kingdom is to show justice to the poor, the alien, the stranger, the widow. Um, and, and I think so many times we feel like if we care for someone, we are justifying uh, maybe what got them there. But um, you know, in the same way, we watch our children do foolish, foolish things and get hurt and we run to them with compassion and care. And that's not that's not saying that it's foolish for refugees to illegally cross the border. I mean, literally, some could be running for their lives, but it's not always a judgment call when we reach out with compassion in either approving or disapproving the reason that someone is hurting and that someone is 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 in need of our care. And so. 
you know, God has actually not called us to be judges, but to be those that show the compassion and care of the kingdom and remember that he will judge. Uh, you know, and that's why, you know, for so many years, believers have gone into prisons and prison fellowship to minister to prisoners. Some of those are unjustly incarcerated. They, they didn't commit a crime, but yet they got charged for a crime. Some committed the crime and, and they're paying that penalty. But we go and we care for prisoners and we go in and, 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 and care for those that, that need our help and that need the gospel. So, so, so richly said, brother, in, in that way. And, and I know that's something that, you know, as a church, we need those clarion voices that say, I'm speaking to God's people here. I'm not speaking to the U.S. government. I'm not speaking about walls or about borders. I'm speaking about the justice that we're called to do. Yeah, amen. Amen to that. So what encouragement uh, would you give other pastors who are seeking to lead their church in in showing gospel-driven justice and specifically in, in leading their church to think more holistically missionally as well as uh, through showing the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children? Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing I would say uh, to a brother pastor that may be listening to this I just want to say, brother, like, be encouraged. Um, God uses uh, really limited pastors and not super healthy churches. <laughs> I, I think I'm thinking of myself and Crosspoint. You know, it, we're, we're just messes. And uh, a lot of times when I listen to somebody else that maybe is sharing some way that God seems to be blessing them, I'm like kind of strangely encouraged and also discouraged. And I think, oh, well man, that's just another brick I got to put in my rucksack. And it's just another, another thing I'm not doing well. And so I don't want any brother to be listening that might think that I just want you to be encouraged and know that, that God uses imperfect churches and overwhelmed pastors mm. to, to, to move the gospel forward. And no matter where you are, God can use you and your congregation, no matter the size, no matter how limited you feel like the resources are. I mean, come on, brother. The, the God is not dependent on a big building or a mega church or all of these things that we're so prone to idolize in our culture. He can use a dear brother preaching his heart out for the gospel in a small little church to, to mobilize his congregation to get outside of themselves and to consider their neighbor. Mm. And so, you know, maybe it's just as simple as, uh, you know, preaching a sermon from James 1 about how religion is pure and undefiled before God is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And for the pastor to stand up one Sunday and say, what does that look like for us? Or to preach, you know, one of my favorite chapters on this, this idea of caring for the the sojourn and the fatherless is, is Deuteronomy 10, where God is telling Israel through Moses, circumcise your hearts. And he's saying, I say, circumcise your hearts. And now as a consequence of the circumcision of your hearts, which is really just a shadow of the New Testament language of salvation, as a, as a consequence of that, care for the sojourner, care for the fatherless. And why? Because you were the sojourner in Egypt when I brought you out. So because of what I've done for you, show that gospel love to other people. Well, any pastor can get up and preach that sermon in front of his congregation. And then 
encourage them to say, what does this look like for us? And maybe it's just as simple as going down and establishing a relationship with the local Department of Family and Children's Services and saying, how can we help? How many foster kids are there in our county? I've got two families that might be willing to go through training. Where can we train them? Or maybe it's as simple as calling Lifeline and saying, you know, let's have a 30-minute conversation about what maybe foster care or adoption looks like. Anybody, any size congregation can do that and any amount of resources, any pastor can preach that sermon and just move the ball forward in the great gospel advance of the glory of God and caring for the vulnerable people and children out there. Anybody can do that. And so I, I want any pastor that may be listening to this, that might be feeling a bit overwhelmed or thinking, oh, I just don't have the resources. Oh, brother, that's not the case. You can do this yeah. and, and, and you can lead your people. And then, and then I just, you know, I mean, like Martin Luther in the Protestant Reformation, he says, you know, all I did was just preach the word and <laughs> the word did all the work. Then just keep putting it before your people and have confidence in the sovereign God who will light flames in people's heart. And who knows, you may have a lay person in your church that may just catch a vision for this. And then stuff just starts happening. And you don't even know. It's like the farmer who threw out the seed and he, he goes to bed and he gets up in the morning and he's, he's got, you know, he's got watermelons in his, in his garden. He didn't know it. He just, he just threw out seed and stuff starts growing. And so be, that, be encouraged, brothers. Uh, uh, you know, preach a sermon on one of these issues and keep talking about it. And God does things with that. Well, brother, I, I'm so richly blessed to have you in my life and uh, so grateful for you and Jennifer and uh, just the, the family. Uh, your family is such a testimony of your leadership, the faith family at Cross Point. And I know it's the grace of God evident in both of your lives. But, uh, brother, thanks for being faithful to God's word and to preaching God's word. And, and I do want to encourage those of you who are listening uh, if you have just been as encouraged by the passion and the clarity and uh, just the the scriptural uh, evidence that's brought, uh, even in this podcast, uh, by my brother Brad Evangelista, visit Inside Crosspoint. That's Crosspoint with an E at the end, dot com. And you can, you can subscribe to their podcast. And uh, just to even reference something that my brother Brad said, he did preach through the book of Romans. And, and I'm here to tell you as someone who has listened uh, to most of that series, it is truly enriching. Such a foundational book to our faith and to hear the clarity of our brother as he uh, just with, with great exegesis and uh, just looks at that passage in such a, a relevant and real and strong way. So go to InsideCrossPointWithAnE.com uh, to subscribe to the podcast from Cross Point Church. Well, brother, thanks for joining us. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel and know that we are abundantly grateful for you. Oh, thank you, brother. Listen, we love you and Ashley and Lifeline, and I'm so grateful for your friendship and your kind words. And, uh, just, just really grateful for you, brother. Thank you, brother. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. 
follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.